Hello, my name is Joe. Welcome. This is the Joe Martino Show. I'm excited to talk to you today about incompatible wishes and three processes that we can go through to have better lives, that you can go through that will help you improve your life today, whether you're married, single, divorced, dating, uh, you've never done any of those things, you don't ever want to do any of those things, you're a student, you're a parent, whatever it is, there are three things, three states of being that we have to achieve in order to achieve those things that we want. I do have a question that was emailed into me that I want to answer about husbands and wives, and if I have time, I'm going to answer a question about the sports episode. All right, let's kick it off. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Okay, Jason writes in and he says, Joe, my wife made sure that I listened to your podcast last week. That part makes me laugh. She wanted me to hear the part where you said we shouldn't just tell our wives what we're going to do. Can you expound on that a little bit more? Sure. That's pretty straightforward to the point. Uh, First of all, Jason, I'm glad that your wife made you listen to it. Uh, Verbiage is always interesting to me. Verbiage matters. Did she really make you listen to it or did she tell you that she wanted you to and you chose to? Uh, Here's what I mean by that. I see this a lot in therapy. The husband wants to do something. It's usually the husband. Sometimes it's the wife or doesn't want to do something. Maybe he wants the kid to play football. Maybe he wants to make an investment. Maybe he wants to buy an adult toy, you know, like a a camper or a boat or something. And and the wife is not necessarily on board. And and it's not even, okay, well, you do it if you want to. It is just straight up, I don't want you to do it. I don't think we should do it. And her voice isn't recognized. It's just, we're going to do this too bad. Or the voice is, is sort of recognized. I see this a lot. Well, I heard what she said. I just disagreed. Well, okay, that's fine, but it's still like the resources that you're using are still hers. The energy that you're using is still hers. And and if you really believe, as I do, that your wife or your husband, your spouse was given to you as a helpmate, as someone to help complete you. And I know that's not popular in 2019, but, but your spouse was given to you to help rough out the edges that you don't do so well on. You were given to your spouse to help rough out the edges that they don't do so well on. Just saying, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to go do this investment. We're going to go put this kid in sports. We're not going to do this this way. We're going to do it. It isn't isn't the two of you being a team. It's one person being an employer and the other person being an employee at best. And the truth is it's really dictator servant, but I don't like that language. Because we know that, you know, you as a, as a business owner or a boss, there are times that you just have to say, okay, we're just going to do it this way. It's just the way it is. This is the way it's going to go. I understand. But if you go to that well too often, your company is a place that people don't want to work. And if you go to that well in your relationship, it's going to cause toxicity. It's going to cause pain. But Jim, I don't know your specific situation. I don't know what's actually going on with you or your wife, uh, but I'm going to... I'm going to put a few 
proposals out to you. I'm going to propose to you that if she made a big deal out of you hearing that part of that episode, your wife doesn't feel like you view her as a teammate. I'm going to guess that you've made a few unilateral decisions that she was against. And I'm going to guess that she still isn't believing in the outcomes of those decisions. Furthermore, I'm going to extrapolate that your relationship is probably in more trouble than you're willing to admit. And I'm going to guess that you are probably more aware than the average bear because you took the time to write in, you had a question, and you asked about it. You asked for some explanation. If all of these are true, you have some hard decisions to make. You need to go to your wife and ask her, hey, these are some questions that Joe proposed. Are they true? Do you feel like I am on your team? Do you feel like I view you as on my team? And and find out what she thinks, and then you're going to have to decide what you believe. I appreciate you writing in. If you have some more questions, please feel free to do so. You can do that at joemartino.com. Click on the Contact Me page. You have another sinus infection, so I'm, I mean, I guess it's a sinus infection. I don't know, but I skipped that day of medical school, but self-diagnosed, so my voice is a little weird. I am clearing my throat a little bit more. I'm trying to edit that stuff out, but if it sounds goofy, I want you to know why. I want to talk to you today about three states of being that we have to be in if we're going to achieve things in life. Anything. If you're going to tolerate anything in life, there are three states of being that you have to achieve. Getting to that, though, I want to talk to you about the book Necessary Endings by Henry Cloud. I'm actually on my second read of it. I read it about two years ago, maybe three years ago. Uh, at the time, we were hang we were in the business process. We were hanging on to some employees a little too long. Uh, it was time for them to move on. They just, nothing personal with them. They just weren't good fits to our culture. And uh, some of them had become, they just became discontent. They didn't like what we were doing, the direction the company was going. And I was hanging on to them. And a friend of mine said, hey, you need to read this book called Necessary Endings by Henry Cloud. So I picked it up. I read it, made some notes, moved on. Sometime the end of last year, maybe beginning of this year, I was like, hey, you know, I should probably reread that, touch base on it. And so I got the Audible version of it. I think it might have been the Daily Special. And I've been listening to it and going back through and rereading it. And a part that really resonated with me is the part in the book, it's near the end, he talks about this idea of incompatible wishes, about how often we'll want two things that you can't have both of. This is where the phrase, you can't have your cake and eat it too, comes from. In the book, he says, you have to be able to face losing some things that you might want in order to be free to do the right thing. If you can't, you are stuck. And he gives an illustration of a woman that he was working with. I'm going to assume in counseling based on the way it's written. With a guy that she's chronically dissatisfied with in the relationship or finds chronic dissatisfaction in the relationship because he's not a high charger. He's not a guy that's going to run things down. And he asked her point blank, well, why are you with him then? I want to read to you the exchange. It's a very common exchange that I hear in counseling. This is from page 174 of Necessary Innings by Dr. Henry Cloud. Uh, getting people to finally see the stark incompatibility of certain desires is often what finally gets them unstuck. Recently, I met with a single woman who defined herself as stuck. She was in a relationship was not, that was not all that she wanted, and she was chronically dissatisfied. He did not have the, quote, drive, end quote, that she desired, which she saw as, in, as an essential in order for her to, quote, respect him, end quote. That'd be a great podcast episode, how uh, the whole respect him thing. The guy was just not that type. So when I asked her why she didn't go after the kind that she wanted, she would say, because I want him. I love him. 
To which Cloud would respond, but I thought you wanted someone who was more like the driver achiever type. I do. I know I do, but he is so great in other ways and I love him. I want to be with him too, she said. Too? Cloud responded. She knew that she was caught as soon as she had said the word too. That is the issue, that sometimes we want two or more things that can't coexist. All right, so that's from the book. If you like to read, I highly recommend that book. I've enjoyed it. It's one of the few books that I purposely have read twice. This actually, I think, is my third read-through. So, so it's three, you know, a book I've read three times. I, I read a lot of Cloud's stuff. He's got good stuff to write, good stuff to say. I don't agree with all of it. This isn't a blanket endorsement, all that blah, blah, blah stuff. But I do recommend Necessary Endings. So co Incompatible wishes are something that we see in therapy a lot. I'll sit in the room and... You know, somebody, well, I want to be, I want to have a job that I find fulfilling. Well, okay, what job is that? It's XYZ job. Okay, well, what do you need for that job? Well, I need to go back to school. Then go back to school. Well, that costs money. Well, so you want to hold on to money and save money and you want to go back to school. Well, yeah, school should be free, which is a whole discussion for another day. Probably I'll never do on a podcast, I hope. But it isn't free and so you have to pay for it. And almost anything you want comes at the end of spending money as an investment. Whether it's buying a house, a car, clothes, an education, right? Well, I want to do this thing that matters. Uh, I want to write a book. Okay, that's going to take time. That's going to take energy. It's going to take effort. It's going to take money. Uh, even if you go with a traditional publisher, it's going to take money. It's going to take the willingness to be criticized. Well, I don't like to be criticized. Well, now you have two incompatible wishes. You have the idea to create something and to put it out into the public domain and you have this desire to not be criticized and the two don't have the two don't go together the things that i think we have to accept is the truth that there is a a high amount of our own tension our own anxiety our own stress is created by our desire to want to have two things simultaneously and you can't have both i see this all the time with business ideas you know we're we're, we're blessed to be at the point in our lives where people come to me and they're like, hey, I have a business idea. Can I run it by you? And I always say, sure, put together a business plan. And, and when you have that, let's talk. And so they do, or they put together a one-page summary, or they put together what they think is a business plan. And one of the things that I find is a lot of people are enamored with the idea of being an entrepreneur. They're enamored with the idea of, of, of being their own boss, of, quote, setting their own schedule. That one always makes me laugh. But they really want the security of a weekly paycheck that comes with a nine-to-five job. You don't get both. You just don't. I don't know anybody, and I know a lot of people in the business community, I don't know anybody who gets both of those until maybe later in their career, you know, and they've, they've set up enough businesses, they have enough systems in place that essentially they have what's called mailbox money where, you know, money's coming in and, and, and they're kind of running it remotely or you know you read about the people they start a business and they sell it for 123 million dollars later they have incompatible wishes they want to be their own business owner but they don't want the headaches they they want to they want to have an entrepreneur they want to be in private practice but they don't want to deal with the business side of it they have close intimate relationships but they don't want to be vulnerable they want to be in love but they don't want to be hurt a person who stands up for what is right and they want everyone to like them you just don't get both you don't get them you don't get both on any of those and what happens is we get caught in cycles of pursuing them and then we have dissatisfaction we have grief we have distress i mean the list is long we can go on a long list of things that you just don't get both you want to have kids and you want to have a clean house that just doesn't work
right? You're just going to be picking up a lot when they're little. As they get older, they can be involved in the process. But if your house is lived in, it's going to be messy. You want to create something, you're going to have to be willing to accept criticism. And I get it. Like people tell me, and I do, I appreciate this. I actually had somebody stop me that I didn't even know uh, and said, hey, I listen to your podcast. Are you Joe Martino? I was like, yes. And I was like, how do you know me? And like, I listen to your podcast. I really enjoy it. And I have to tell you, that's cool. I was at a coffee shop and that's really cool. It felt good. And then I have people tell me, you know, the quality isn't very good. Your sound's kind of off. Which, yeah, there are weeks it is. I agree. I do all of this in-house. I'm not an audiophile. Uh, everything I've learned about, about podcasts, I've learned by reading articles online or reading books. Totally agree. The ones that I tend to remember more are the criticisms, not the compliments. Because that's human nature. And one of the things that happens is we hang on to these two things that are, that are intention. And like most things in life, of course, there's a balance. But we have to embrace three states of being if we're going to overcome this inertia so that we can have healthy lives, so that we can have lives that do something. Number one, you have to brutally accept what is. And I use the word brutally on purpose. My handy dandy phone, if I get online, defines brutal as this savagely violent, or punishingly hard or uncomfortable, direct and lacking any attempt to disguise unpleasantness. In fact, it gives this example, the brutal honesty of his observations. And it says some synonyms, unsparing, unstinting, unadorned, unembellished, unvarnished, bald, naked, stark, blunt, direct, straight, straightforward, frank, outspoken, forthright, Plain spoken, and I can hit a button for more, but I won't. You have to be brutally honest about what is. You have to brutally accept what is if you're going to do anything. One of the things that, that Cloud goes on to talk about in the book is how successful people are, are rarely tied to any one outcome. They can walk away from any business deal. They can walk away if things don't go right. And by right, we don't mean like it didn't go the way I wanted it to. But there's something wrong, especially in relationships and business deals that you could do the whole, it isn't going the way I want it to, I'm going to walk away. And, and not, you know, doing, putting in the work, putting in the effort, which by the way, I, I've got a podcast coming called Doing the Work uh, that I want to talk to you about. Putting in that effort and then just accepting that the outcome is what it is, things fall where they fall. Brutally accepting what is, we, we, we can't, we tend to sugarcoat things to ourselves and we can't do that. We tend to make things easier for us to, to swallow, you know, more palatable. My son just had, a, had some oral surgery, and so he's eating things like yogurt and jello because he doesn't have to chew it. It's easier to swallow. And that's good for him in that situation, but we don't want that when it comes to our actual state of life, the things that are going on in our life. Or if you do want that and you accept that, you have incompatible wishes if you want that and you want a life that's going to matter. So this kind of runs two ways. On the one hand, we have FOMO, fear of missing out. On the other hand, we want to do things, but we don't want to be brutally honest about where we're at. I remember when I was in college, I was going to take up wrestling. And I wasn't very good at it. And I went to practice and I got thrown around like a rag doll. And I remember saying, well, at least I didn't end up on my back. And the, and the manager actually laughed and said, yes, you did. That happened there and there and there and there. I was like, oh, crap. Yeah, it did. And I had to embrace the truth that that did happen. I wasn't very good. And I, then there's more work to do. But I can't lie to myself about what is. And too often we do that. We lie to ourselves about what is because we refuse to be brutally honest about our situation. We refuse to be brutally accepting of what is. 
Now, I need to define accepting here. I do not mean that accepting is this idea that, well, that's just the way I am, so that's just how it is. But it does start with, I have a tendency to be this way. So I'm going to be really vulnerable here. I have a tendency, if my wife and I are arguing, to be distressed, and I respond to that distress by trying to force the conversation right now instead of waiting. It never works. I have to accept the fact that that rarely works and that it's not healthy for our relationship. And it comes more from my inner story than it does from anything with her. Especially see this truth for couples who are caught in a bad narrative. They're in a bad way. You know, oftentimes I'll sit with couples and I'll ask them, okay, if I had a penny, I had a hundred pennies and every penny equals 1%, how much, how do we divide those pennies up for who's responsible for where we're at? And invariably, Somebody says, well, you know, I'm probably like 25 or or 15, maybe 10. And they're just giving lip service to the idea that they didn't, you know, that they did something. They refuse to brutally accept that, you know what, my husband, my wife did these bad things, but I did this. Or their spouse has come to them for years and said, hey, I'm not happy. We need to make these changes. Okay, okay, okay. And they never do until they're faced with divorce papers. I can't tell you how often I sit in a room with people and they're like, yeah, my wife left me, my husband left me, and I can't blame them because for the last three, five, ten years, I just sat and drank and watched TV or scrolled the internet or surfed Facebook. Or we, we, we refuse to brutally accept our own contribution to our problems. And if you're going to fight the, uh, the, the, the gravity-disrupting position of of incompatible wishes of wanting two things that can't both have you have to brutally accept first of all that you can't have them both you have to brutally accept that you control your life you're 100% in control of your life period I don't care what you do where you're at you're in control of who you are in control of what happens to you I agree with that but you are in control of who you are you are in control of what you do You have to brutally accept, brutally accept what you're good at and what you're not good at. You have to brutally accept whether or not you put in the time to do something, whether or not something you did actually turned out well. That's one of the most insidious problems with our current culture of everybody gets an award just for showing up, everybody gets a pat on the back just for trying, is when they actually hit the real world and it's not any good and somebody says, no, I'm not going to buy that, it's not very good, I'm not going to pay you for that effort, it's not very good, we lose our minds because we're not raising generations that have learned to brutally accept what is. They just haven't. I have dreams. I have goals. I have things I want to do. I have things that we do. And, you know, my wife and I will sit down and be like, hey, we just did this thing and it didn't go very well. In fact, we had a meeting last Friday over something we did. I'm like, it didn't go as well as I thought it could have. Let's talk about that. We have to brutally accept what happened and why it happened. And so if I, I have to brutally accept that I'm going to be criticized if I'm going to create things. If I'm going to do a podcast, a YouTube channel, a book, anything, I'm going to be criticized. Fail at any of those, right? That, that's one of the things that you have to brutally accept. There's risk to it. Uh, one of the things I talk about a lot, what do you want? What are you willing to pay? What are you willing to risk? In fact, I think that's going to be, I might shift my focus. That might actually be my next book. What do you want? What are you willing to pay? What are you willing to risk? But part of brutally accepting is, is I may not succeed. After I brutally accept this, I can be wildly optimistic about what could be. I can dream. I should write those dreams down. When I'm sitting with people who are like, my wife, my husband just divorced me. And in some degrees, they're right. I'm not a very blah, blah person. Okay, well, is that who you want to be? Yes. 
All right, write that down. Write down who you want to be. I was just with somebody yesterday, and I told him, I said, I want you to write down a letter. Who do you want to be at 65? He's 40, I think, or 41. Who do you want to be at 65? Write that down. Write it all out. Well, I want to be retired. No, 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 that's just one aspect. That's work. But who do you want to be in your life? What kind of parent do you want to be? What kind of husband do you want to be? What kind of lover do you want to be? What kind of human being do you want to be? And be wildly optimistic. I have all sorts of dreams. My poor wife, I'm always telling her, we should do this business. We should do that business. Let's start this. Let's start that. We can be wildly optimistic about those things. We can write them down. When you look to the future, after you have brutally accepted what is, you can be wildly optimistic about what can be. Because you're coming from a place of truth. You can be wildly optimistic about this idea. I can't have this and that, but if I choose this, that could have some really great outcomes. Or if I choose that, it could have some really great outcomes. And invariably, when I'm doing this with people in a counseling session, they'll say, yeah, but it might have bad outcomes. Right. See the first step, which is brutally accepting what is. No matter what you do, you could end up disappointed. I'm convinced that one of the reasons that people don't dream is because they confuse dreaming with brutally accepting what is, brutally accepting the reality of what is. And dreaming comes after you brutally accept what is. After you look at what is and you look to the future, you're now in a place of truth that you can look forward and be like, okay, but now I dream of that. Now I want that. Now I hope for this. Kids are young and you're lamenting the fact that it's difficult to have young kids in a clean house. Brutally accept that. But then wildly dream about what those kids are going to be like when they're teenagers and adults and and tweens and, and toddlers and however old they are. Wildly, be wildly optimistic about what that relationship could look like and how you can shape the future in those little beings. If you want to be an entrepreneur, be wildly optimistic about what you could do with that after you brutally accept how much hard work it's going to be. Relationship isn't where you want it to be. Brutally accept that and brutally accept that you brought problems to that relationship, that you created problems in that relationship, that you brought on health to that relationship, and then be wildly optimistic about how you can improve it, about how you can bring health to it, about how you can do things that will benefit the relationship, how you can learn, how you can grow. You see, we have to move from incompatible wishes to compatible states of being. I'm gonna say that again because it's really important. You have to move from incompatible wishes to compatible states of being, where the two things work together to push you forward. I was talking to somebody yesterday and he told me, he said, how in the world did you get into exercising? He's known me a long time. He's like, how did you get into it and and enjoy it? And the truth was I had exercised before, but I didn't really like it. But I said, I rigged the game. I cheated. I didn't really cheat, but it's the word I use. I, I rigged the game in that. I set myself up. I made sure I had snacks that were that were you know healthy. I made sure that I did everything that I could do that would make it easier for me to get into exercise and eating healthy. Because I had to brutally accept that if I don't do this, I'm in trouble health-wise. But then I could be wildly optimistic about what I could be, what I could do, how much effort I could give to it, how much time I could put into it. One of the reasons that I think people get discouraged is they're wildly optimistic before they brutally accept what is before they take an honest, hard, savage look at themselves and whatever it is they brought to their problems. Because one of the problems that we get stuck in when we don't do that is if an external force is responsible for where we're at in life, then an external force is responsible to change, for us to have change. 
And that rarely works. Change has to come from us. That's why we have to be wildly optimistic about what could be after we brutally accept what is. And that's how we de- we, we combat incompatible wishes. That's how we push them back. The lament of people in a second marriage is that they have the same sort of issues that they had in their first marriage or the third marriage had the same sort of issues they had in their second marriage. And one of the biggest problems with that is, one of the biggest reasons for that is, is because they never got to the place where they accepted the problems that they brought to the first or the second marriage. And so then they can't really be wildly optimistic about what's going to be different. They can be, but it, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's smoke. It's just nothing. There, there's no substance to it. When you do it in this order, you can have substance to your hopes. Your hopes can be something that there's a reason behind their hopes other than just a pipe dream, other than just a smoke dream. You know, this thing, oh, that's just wonderful. Yeah, but why? Well, because, so here's the thing. I looked at my life and I realized that I did these things. I'm wildly optimistic about what could be. Because when you start at step one, you realize, okay, so these behaviors got me here, so they need to stop and new behaviors need to start. I truly believe that change is possible for anyone and anything, any organization, any group of people, any couple, any relationship, but it has to involve change and that change has to involve behaviors. We can figure out what those behaviors are by looking back at what we did and that'll give us a good starting point. Okay, well, I did this, you know, maybe, you know, I withdrew or I yelled, right? Hunting and running. Or maybe I did this and I don't, I can't, I can change that. Maybe I made, we'll just stick with what started this this particular podcast episode, I made universal decisions and just told my wife we were going to do these things. And that was disrespectful to her. Okay, fine. Then what are you going to do differently moving forward? Well, I'm not going to do that. Okay, that's a start. I'm not going to do it. But what are you going to actually do? Wild optimism comes from a place where you can say, I've looked at my life, I've examined my life, and here are things that are helping me be healthy Here are things that, if I'm brutally honest, are not helping me be healthy. And here are the changes that I'm going to make. Most people get hung up here because they think of the outcome as the change rather than as the result of change, right? Most people, what they do is, well, I want to lose weight. Okay, well, what weight? Well, I want to lose 30 pounds. Okay, that's the outcome of change. What change are you going to make to lose 30 pounds? Well, I'm going to lose 30 pounds. No, 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 that's that's the outcome. What's the behavioral changes that you're going to make? I'll hear people say, I need a better relationship. Okay, great. What do you need to do to have a better relationship? Well, I need to be a better listener. Okay, great. What do you need to do to be a better listener? Well, I need to be a better listener. No, no, no. That's the outcome. What do you actually need to do? Maybe I need to practice shutting my mouth. Maybe I need to practice asking clarifying questions, not just information questions. There are a host of things that I could do that will that will lead to me being a better listener, but they don't just show up. I have to actually name them and write them down. So and when I'm in this wildly optimistic phase, that's what I grab at. These are the behaviors that I'm going to do in order to create this change that I want. These need to be two regular states of beings. Just constantly accepting what is, looking at your life, evaluating it, saying this is what it is, this is what's going on, these are the results I'm getting, and then asking yourself, what are the behaviors that I'm doing that's contributing to that? What are some of them? You know, it's not going to be everything. If you have a toxic parent, if you have a toxic spouse, you can't control that. But that's part of the brutal acceptance stage. Then you can be wildly optimistic about what could be. Well, if I stop playing in the power games with my toxic spouse. Over time, eventually, perhaps a long time, 
our relationship could be healed. I could invite him, her to, to healing. And now, okay, what do I have to do to not engage in the power game, to avoid that toxicity? Which then brings us to our last state of being, which is ruthlessly follow the steps. Ruthlessly. When I was trying to make working out a habit, I did a one workout a day for 100 days. Now, I had active recovery days in there, and I did my research, and I, I talked to experts that I know in the area about, okay, how do I do this and not get hurt? And I dug into the idea that I have to do something extreme to force myself out of these incompatible wishes. I want to be healthy, but I don't want to do the work that's required to be healthy. A lot of people actually make it to this step and they know, okay, so they go to the gym a day, they go get a membership to the gym, they start reading a book. Let's just say somebody set a goal. You know, one of the things that I've done is, I've had people tell me this, one of the things that I've done is I have ignored my mental development. Okay, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to read a book this year. Okay, great. So just do a book, but ruthlessly follow whatever you set up. If you want to read a book in a year, let's say the book has 300 pages. You read a page a day, you're going to read the book in a year. You're going to even have days you can take off, but you have to ruthlessly pursue those steps. And most of us don't have that ruthlessness because we have incompatible wishes of wanting to grow and not wanting to feel the pain of work. Or we, we could word that differently. We have the incompatible wishes of wanting to grow and of wanting to be comfortable. And nothing good comes out of a comfort zone, ever. You have to be pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And then you have to ruthlessly follow those steps. The process of creating a curriculum, an online curriculum for how people can develop emotional security in their relationship. Later today, when I'm done recording this, I have a phone call and then I have another meeting. But then later today, I've scheduled time to sit down and lay out a plan for how I'm going to create that curriculum. But if I'm going to do it, that's not enough. I have to actually execute that plan and I have to ruthlessly follow it. I have to schedule the time. I have to not let other things take up that time. Do this podcast. I have to schedule time. I do it at my office where other people work and I'm constantly sticking my head out the door. Not constantly, but a lot of times I have to stick my head out the door and I have to invite them to ruthlessly follow the steps with me. Like, hey, can you be a little bit more quiet? Could you give me 15 more minutes? Can I steal time from you to get this done? Because if I'm going to get this done, there's only so many hours in the day. There's only so many ways I can do it. My YouTube channel is one of the things I've not ruthlessly followed. I've not been able to stick with the plan of making the videos. Part of that is, is I don't feel like it's very successful. Part of that is I don't like being on camera. I don't know anybody that really is like, oh, look at me on camera. Part of it is I haven't done the hard work the ruthlessly hard work of sitting down and saying, how does this fit into my schedule? And do I get these other things done? And, you know, other things come up. And so the reason I call these state of beings is they have to be constant. You have to be constantly engaging in brutally looking at what is and accepting what is as truth. This is what it is right now. It doesn't mean it has to be this forever, but this is what it is right now. And then you have to look at what could be and what are the steps and the actions that are necessary to make that happen and then you have to ruthlessly stick to those behaviors and chase them. Part of the problem is going all the way back to the beginning. I talked about fear of missing out. We want too many things. And there's just not enough of us. I was, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. We got together after not being together for a while. He asked me what's going on in your life. And I said, you know, one of the things that I'm working on is I'm constantly trying to eliminate circles. I'm constantly trying to eliminate things. I'm constantly trying to push things off of my plate so I can really just focus on the things that matter most to me, that matter most to getting me where I want to go, matter most to helping me move forward. 
That's the ruthlessly pursue. And if I'm honest with you, some weeks I'm good at that, some weeks I'm not. That's the brutal acceptance. This is not a one and done. This is not just, okay, well, I did this in March of 2019. I don't have to do it again. This is something I do weekly, daily. Sometimes I do it twice a day. Like, okay, the morning was crazy. It was not good. It was it was unproductive. It didn't go the way I wanted it to. Why not? The next time I get a morning like that, what do I have to do differently? And I'll do that in the afternoon of the morning. How am I doing pursuing my wife? How am I doing pursuing my daughters? How am I doing pursuing my son? How am I doing pursuing my family members? How am I doing pursuing who I want to be? Okay, well, that didn't go well, but... And this is that brutal acceptance thing, right? We give ourselves an excuse. Well, that didn't go well, but this thing happened there. Okay, and and... Sometimes, rarely, sometimes, rarely, that's a legitimate excuse. Most of the time, it's just an excuse to keep us from doing what we have to do. To keep us from, to give us a pass for not ruthlessly chasing the behaviors that we need to chase in order to be who we want to be, in order to accomplish what we want to accomplish. You have to ruthlessly chase them. But it has to be a state of being. It isn't a one and done. It's something that you're constantly mulling over. Brutally accept, wildly optimistic, ruthlessly pursue. Those six words run through my brain all the time. And when I have found that when I can convince clients to get them to run through their mind all the time, their lives get better, their lives improve. They find better relationships, better careers. They find more meaning. They find more pursuit of the things that matter to them. Once it becomes a state of being, once it becomes just part of how you approach daily life, it helps you improve every aspect of life. Okay, I hope this helps you. I hope this is a useful tool that you can develop in your life. Maybe you recognize some areas where you have incompatible wishes, where you want this and that, and you can't have them both. Try to use this method to increase your chances of moving forward. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. Give us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have a question for a future show, feel free to send us an email at info at joemartino.com. You can also go to joemartino.com and click on the Contact Me page. Until next time, remember, change possible.